goal was to run out of the hospital. And my parents had a, a goal, of course, to have to have me make a full recovery. But as soon as I was able to communicate, my goal was to run out of the hospital. By taking by taking it one step at a time, I was it, and that that's the entire strategy that I used throughout my entire time in in the hospital and then beyond because um, by taking one step at a time I was able to less than three months later run out of the hospital welcome 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 to the 1000 days sober podcast my name is Lee Davey I'm not an alcoholic I refuse to be anonymous I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol and I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same my deepest apologies for those of you that actually, you know, look forward to listening to this podcast. I know there's a lot of you out there that uh, like waltzing down the street, listening to my dulcet tones in your ears. And uh, I haven't provided one for a long time. Uh, that's because I've been in Korea. I've been in South Korea with my family for the past five weeks. And it's a bit part of really being difficult to kind of organize uh, any interviews and also just wanted to spend some time with my family. So I apologize, folks. I had to put you second to my family for once. Um, but we're back today with a conversation with Nick Prefontaine. But before I do that, I just want to share something that's been on my mind um, a lot lately. Um, so I've been deep in thought the last couple of days thinking about how can I um, continually grow and evolve in the area of relationship with Liza. So I've been reading a book called Intimate Communion by David Dada, and it's been setting off fireworks in my heart around, you know, not judging my relationship in a purely negative way, but just realizing that there's so much more that I can do individually, that Liza could do individually, and we could do in a partnership to really make, to create the relationship of our dreams. And that, you know, time is ticking away. Time is ticking away and, and uh, we're getting older and every day seems to whiz by so much faster. Um, so how can we become more and more present and more and more aware of what's going on in our relationship and how can we really reach those goals? What are those goals of our relationship? And for me, it all boils down to needs, right? All roads lead to needs. And I've been asking myself the question, well, what are my core needs, right? What are they? It's not a conversation I ever had in school. It's not a conversation I ever had with my parents. Nobody ever taught me this, right? So, but what are my needs? Do I actually know what they are? And then once I know what they are, Am I fulfilling them myself? Am I meeting those needs? So, for example, one of my needs is to be seen. Do I see myself, right? So a good example of that would be actually standing in front of the mirror, uh, telling myself that I love myself. I am seeing myself. It's really important to me, a need that I matter. And in that mirror work, I matter. I see myself. I hear myself. I matter, right? I need to be heard. Like those things, I can fulfill those by consistently showing up and doing that mirror work as an example, right? Am I fulfilling my own needs? If one of my needs is touch, am I providing myself with touch? If one of my needs is freedom, space, am I making room for that in my life? Then after that, 
do those around me who I really care about and that it's important that they understand these needs, do they know what they are? And have they signed up in partnership with me to help fulfill those needs, right? So, for example, we don't want to be, I don't want to be in a position where I am wholly codependent on Liza to fulfill my needs. I really need to be ensuring that I am fulfilling my own needs and then Liza comes in as her part of fulfilling the needs of the relationship, right? Is she aware of that? Okay. And am I aware of what her needs are? And have we both signed on to do our bit to create the trust and security in our relationship in order to keep the germs out? And then do we have a system in place where we're checking in and make sure that we're actually doing what we've signed up to do? Right. So those things have been rattling through my head really important. And then when I think about Strive and I think about we're just at the moment coming towards the end of a 31-day challenge where eight people said, I'm not going to drink alcohol for 31 days. And they went through the stuck phase of the Strive method, which is our first phase of assignments, which takes 31 days. Um, And we're coming towards the end of that now. And I realize that when people drink alcohol, it's because they have an unmet need. Right. They feel lonely. They feel disconnected. They feel shame. They feel um, a lack of inclusion. Um, sorry, shame isn't a need. They they feel a lack of touch, a lack of intimacy. They are not heard. They're not seen. They're not valued. They have a lack of excitement, a lack of fun, a lack of, lack of joy, a lack of play, a lack of autonomy or freedom or space, right? And then they drink, okay? So at the moment... The big work that we're doing at Strive, we're just going to start on this journey, is to really laser in on needs, right? What are they? Are we aware of what they are? Are we fulfilling them ourselves and how are we doing that? Are those we love aware of them? Are we aware of those needs? And what metrics do we have in place to make sure that we're scratching those itches, right? That is the work that we're doing at Strive. And if you have a need to feel included, to feel accepted, to feel seen and heard and valued, to have companionship and friendship, to be a part of something. If you have a need to be challenged, if you have a need for humor and fun and excitement and interaction and autonomy and partnership, then Strive can provide that for you. All right? Strive can provide that for you. Maybe today is the day that you find the strength, the courage, and the vulnerability to get out of the stands and into the arena. I'm here to invite you to respond and email me at thestrivemethod at gmail.com and say, yeah, Lee, how can I join Strive? We are really doing some great things at the moment. So reach out and email me and I'll give you some more information. All right? Okay. So on to our guest, Nick Prefontaine. He is a speaker founder and CEO of Common Goal, a company that inspires and leads motivated people to their common goal. And their mission is to provide people with the support and tools to achieve their limitless potential. And in today's episodes, you'll hear Nick talk about his near-death experience in a snowboarding accident and how it became the pivotal moment for his life and how he learned from that process and created um, what he calls the step challenge. Okay. Not the step challenge, the step, I don't know, the step system to get through any issue in life. 
It's the acronym, support, truth, energy, perseverance. Okay, and he's gonna talk about that today. And also you can get a free um, e-guide from him as well. So listen to him talk about that. He'll give you the details uh, later on in this call and you can, uh, or you can check it out down below and uh, you can go to his website and get a free e-guide on that, all right? So without further ado, I'm gonna shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of Nick Prefontaine. And like I said, if you wanna learn more about Strive and to get involved in something quite amazing, then email me at thestrivemethod.gmail.com, okay? All right, much love everybody, Strive on. Nick, how's it going, my man? It's going outstanding now that I'm here with you, Lee. Yes, like we were saying before we came on, it's been uh, been a long time. And uh, you know Joy Caffrey, a previous guest on the show, huh? Yeah, uh, Joy and I have actually been working together for, gosh, uh, it's over two and a half years now, I believe. Mm. That's, that's a glowing testimony to her qualities as a coach that you're still working for with her after that long for sure oh she's um, she's amazing let um yeah she's absolutely amazing and the the amount of um the amount of things that i've worked through with her and that i've evolved so much since that first conversation two and a half years ago yeah definitely definitely a glowing review she's unbelievable uh, yeah, she's a magical, magical woman. So tell us a little bit about your story, Nick. Why why did your story end up at this spot with me and you talking together? What, what, what led us together? Start from the beginning. Sure. So I I actually um when I'm when I'm tempted or or when I'm asked to my origin story and to go back to the beginning, I I can go back to uh, my snowboarding accident. So in 2003, I was in a snowboarding accident and I had, I um, was on my way to the mountain with my friends. I get to adjust this. No worries. I was on my way to the mountain with ski club uh, with all my friends at ski club. And um, I realized when I was getting ready, because my friends and I had all brought our snowboard gear onto the bus to get ready. So I realized when I was getting ready, Lee, that I had mistakenly forgot my helmet that day. And I usually wore it selectively only when I went to ski club because it was a bigger mountain than I was used to. Um, I didn't think anything would happen because nothing ever did happen, as, mm. I'm, as I'm sure you can relate to. Uh, then once we got to the mountain, the rest of my classmates headed inside to get ready, but we were, we were all set. We were all ready to go. We got on the chairlift and going up the chairlift, um, we noticed that it was a little icy. People were wiping out everywhere because it had been raining out. Mm. And then we got to the top. I buckled into my snowboard, took a breath of that crisp winter air and charged towards the biggest jump in the train park with all my speed. Now, going up to it, Lee, I caught the edge of my snowboard on the snow going up to the jump, which kind of threw me off kilter, threw me off balance. But I was going way too fast to stop. So I was forced to go off the jump. And in the air, I rotated since I was off balance and ended up landing on my head. Oh. Um, I, I was later, I was later told 
that I did land on my head and that I actually wasn't wearing a helmet. So this is that was all kind of after the fact that I that I pieced together um, the memory based on what people were telling me and things like that. It was interesting because there was a lot of things there was a lot of things that happened that broke my way, if you will. When I got in the accident, even though I wasn't wearing a helmet, I was wearing some big uh, goggles, snowboard or skiing goggles with a lot of padding. Mm. I'm told the paramedics told me this and the first responders told us this um, later once I got to the hospital that when I, after I made the initial impact and I continue to roll down the mountain and make more impacts with the mountain, with the ice, mm. my goggles mysteriously or not so mysteriously, depending on what you believe, um, mm. it rolled with, uh, with each impact, embraced each impact. So I was very fortunate in that regard. Um, then it was also very fortunately that out of all the paramedics working in the area, there was only one who could intubate right on the spot. And because of the severity of my injury, I needed that to be able to breathe. Mm. So luckily for me, the person who showed up at the mountain that day was that person. Um, so when, uh, when you say me. that, you mean he, he had to go into your throat and create an airway? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, he had, to, he had to intubate, not necessarily like cut or anything, but but he had to go in and intubate. I don't know the medical procedure. Mm. I'm just, I'm again, piecing together what I was, what yeah. I was told. Uh, then when I got, when I got to the hospital, the doctors would come into my room and they wanted to share updates with my parents on what was happening and the prognosis. And as you can imagine in the early stages, Lee, it wasn't, more and more positive. If anything, mm -hmm. it was more and more negative when I first got into my accident. My parents recognized that and they stopped the doctors and said, no, no, not here, not in front of him. So they made him go out of the room to share what was happening with me because they didn't want, even though I was in a coma, unable to communicate with, every, with anyone, they knew I was still taking in information. So I was very fortunate. Obviously, I had no control over that. I was very fortunate that they were able to take that precaution, take that measure to stop the influence of the negative information coming in. Once out of the room, the doctors told my parents that I probably wouldn't ever walk, talk, or eat again, even if I came out of my coma. Wow. So definitely a... Um, Definitely a tough, a tough uh, pill to swallow, if you will. Um, but I was fortunate. I'm, I'm blessed, and I'm fortunate. The family and my parents that I grew up in, they didn't accept that. So they, they took the information, thanked the doctors because they realized that the doctors had to give them the worst case scenario. So they took the information thank the doctors. And I wasn't aware of this. Mm. So they allowed me to treat it like any other situation. Once I was after a month, 
uh, when I was stabilized because I was in a coma for three weeks, they tell me. I've seen videos of myself in the ICU with my eyes open. I don't remember anything from the ICU because I was I was coming off of all the drugs and medication from a partially induced coma. So mm. I don't remember a month. I got in my accident on February 5th. On March 4th, I started having memories again. From as early on as I can remember, my goal was to run out of the hospital. And my parents had a, a goal, of course, to have to have me make a full recovery. But as soon as I was able to communicate, my goal was to run out of the hospital. By taking, by taking it one step at a time, I was it. And that that's the entire strategy that I used throughout my entire time in in the hospital and then beyond, because um by taking one step at a time, I was able to less than three months later run out of the hospital. So I'll pause there for a breather if you have any questions. Well, first of all, that's incredible. Um what what is it like to lose a month of your life? I mean, how does that impact you? We go to bed at night, we wake up the next morning, but a month, I mean, that that's uh that's something, right? Yeah, I, I really it's interesting that you asked. I don't think I've ever been asked that, but it's um it's something that's hard to put into words, I would say. Uh, because like you said, we go to bed, we wake up the next day and pretty much we treat every day. But then from my perspective, you go to bed, you wake up and then I got my accident and mm. I, I just, that period's gone. I, I have no memory of that. It was just like, like you wake up and a month is gone and it, you just, how do you deal with that feedback then that, I mean, I know you said that you wanted to run out to the, the hospital, but what was the, what was going through your head when they told you that you, when you wake up now, what, what was told, what was said to you when you woke up? Was you told that you would never walk again? No, a few things, few things about that. I wasn't because my parents did not let, um, anything influenced me, I wasn't aware that that was the prognosis. Ah, I had no idea. Right, right. So how, I just how, got up. How yeah. important do you think that was? Oh, it was vital. Hmm. It was vital. It was very important that my support recognized that early on in my recovery and they didn't let it influence me. A hundred percent. It was very important for sure. And there was, there's a few things about about uh, your question and the way you asked it, that it wasn't like, because it was a partially induced coma, they said, based on the impact alone, I would have been out for roughly seven or 10 days, just on the impact alone. However, because it was a partially induced coma, um, that's, that's why it went longer. And that's why I have trouble like uh, remembering that period when I first came out. Mm -hmm. I get you. So they haven't told you that to all intents and purposes, you're kind of dead in a living body. You're not allowed to talk. You can't talk. You can't, you can't eat. You can't walk. They haven't told you any of this. And then 
three months later, you're running. How did that happen? Uh, well, actually, it was um, it was it was two months later. I meant wow. from when I first got in the accident, it was less than yeah. two months later. Um, it was interesting because I I utilize a system and I've utilized a system my entire life which is just continue to take your next step and the next step will always become available to you. I've, I've utilized that throughout my whole life. However, I've never been able to put into a system and words, if you will, mm. what that is. And that's exactly what we've done at common goal with the step system mm. is broken it down. And, and, um, that that's what I utilize and that's what everyone else can utilize to this day. It's, it's, um, really changing a lot of lives and it's an acronym. Mm -hmm. So it's support S is support. Uh, you got to make sure you have your support lined up right at the start. And this will save you a ton of time and frustration in the future. Um, if you really have that dialed in who your support is T is trust uh, trust that your next step will make itself available to you once you take your first step. E is energy. Um, if you don't have your energy, how are you going to? How are you going to affect and help others? And then P is persistence. Once you get up, keep taking that next step, no matter what. Every day, just keep keep taking that next step. So that that was the system that I used just by. Just by continuing to take my next step, I was able to run out of the hospital less than 60 days later. So if we were to use the step um, process with somebody who wanted to stop drinking alcohol, someone suffering from alcohol addiction, let's just go through that a little bit. Um, what would you think is the most important facets of support that you've found in the work that you've done um, for somebody listening to this? It's, it's so, it's so funny that, um, it's so funny that you asked that because even that I've, even though I've used, I've used it throughout my whole life, this thing until I identified what it was, um, I wasn't until I put it into words and defined it. Now I view everything, all of life through that lens, right? um, the support, and especially if it's someone who's looking to stop uh, stop drinking alcohol or or using drugs, is just continue to take one step at a time. Just and in this case, it's one day at a time. Just continue to take your next step and trust that once you take your first step, which is the hardest, oftentimes, as I'm sure you know that your next step will always become available to you. Mm. What do you mean when you say trust that your next step will become available to you? It, it's, it sounds like a, a, an, an ethereal, otherworldly uh, connotation to your statement. Could you ask that another way? So are you talking, because there's, there's different ways of approaching it, right? It's like having a plan. So... You could get really rational and logical and say, okay, this is the plan. Um, I want to get the A to Z. 
And in order to get it A to Z, I know I've got to get it A to B. So there's a real rational, logical way of looking at that. But it sounded like when you were saying trust that the next step will reveal itself, seems more like we don't know what it is, but you've got to trust that it will show up and present itself when it's ready, um, which felt a little bit more like, you know, you've got to trust uh trust in the universe, God, or whatever you believe in will show you the guideposts when you need them and you're ready for them to take that next step. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for clarifying. So uh, another way that I can explain that is I get if it's you're at A and you have uh, Z or or Z to go to, if you're saying, but Candidly, you can't you can't be focusing on Z because if you're focusing on Z, you're very easily going to become overwhelmed mm. uh, with with any kind of a life challenge, setback, or trauma. So you can apply this um, to anyone that's looking to stop using drugs or or stop alcohol use. Is that they just have to don't don't focus on the end result. Just focus on one day at a time. Just focus on A to B, not A to Z. Because if you focus on A to Z, you're going to get overwhelmed. So as I'm sure, say? as I'm sure has been your experience. If you if you focus on the end result or the big goal, like I didn't. Once I set that goal that I was going to run out of the hospital, I'll phrase it another way. Maybe this will help. Once I had that goal, and it wasn't something that when I was crunching numbers or anything like that, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It was just a voice inside of me. And Mm. I've always been good at listening to and acknowledging that voice inside of me. Once Once I set that and I was like, all right, so that's what I'm shooting for. I made everyone around me, my doctors, therapists, nurses, parents, everyone was aware that that was the goal. Now, what do we have to do to help me get there? So that allowed me to take it one step at a time and just continue to focus on my next steps. So you, you talked there about trusting your intuition and having this great relationship with yourself. And Mm. trusting yourself. Where where did that come from? I've been working with Lee Davey for the last three months on my sober journey. And he is truly a coach master and thoroughly qualified in um, all areas. Lee is the kind of person that um, never gives up on someone and will work tirelessly to support you to achieve your goals. Um, I would thoroughly, thoroughly recommend him to anyone. Ah, <sighs> uh, where did it come from? That that's a great question. I don't, I don't know. I think I've always been, Lee. I think I've always been good at um, listening to that inner voice. And that comes back to, I can't say at, at 10, 11, 12, or 14 that I was, I was good at meditating and like centering myself in the morning. But now, and it has been for the past 15 years, I'm, 
I'm taking care of my energy first thing in the morning and I'm getting quiet and I'm meditating or working out, running, doing something like that, that allows me to get quiet and then that allows me to operate at my best all day long. And also I can listen. I'm available to listen to that voice. I don't explain it away and and say that, oh no, that's unrealistic, or I could never do that, or which a lot of people do. They they explain away, they rationalize away that voice inside of them. But I think the message that I'm looking to share with everyone is you don't have to do that. You have to mm. listen to that. Mm. Not mean, get in, rid of it. In my personal experience, I have this uh, have this voice my intuition, which I, I trust, you know, it tells me that I can do great things. Um, and that voice, that part of me, it, it doesn't change, right? It, it, it believes that I could do great things, but there's another voice that then comes up, which doesn't really want me to do these great things. So when you was facing really, really challenging odds, and there's a part of you saying, now we're gonna we're gonna run out of this hospital in two months. You can do this just one step at a time. Wasn't there another part of you saying you're not gonna make it? And if there was, how did you deal with that? And if there wasn't, how on earth does that not happen? No, of course there was. I'm not right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> so how we're not you deal living. With that? We're not living in fairy tale land. I, <laughs> so how do you oh. deal with that big bad ogre? Of course, of course. There's um a story, a story that I can that I can uh, share with you and your listeners is Lee during during my recovery and continuing to just take that next step. I found out a lot of things about myself. Now, number one, the way that we can I don't want to say avoid, but the way that we can counteract that is by having positive. Uh, positive affirmations and like and good messages all around you. Make sure everyone's on the same page and you're all going towards the same thing. Um, otherwise, it's very easy for your mind to go into the negative to play tricks on you and be negative. It's it's human nature. Mm. Um, so by surrounding myself with uh, there were affirmations, I couldn't even walk. So there were affirmations all over my room that said everywhere I looked and it wasn't like I could get away and walk out of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, with each step I take, I'm getting closer and closer towards my goal. Uh, with every step I take, I'm getting stronger and stronger. So that was that was the messaging that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the only messaging that I saw. So it wasn't like I could get away from that and I think it's important that anyone who's looking now, I'll relate it to what we talked about earlier by alcohol, overcome alcohol and drug addiction. Uh, you got to surround yourself with positive, positive affirmations and positive images. It always supports growth. A hundred percent. There is a story that I'd like to share with you of, of one of those moments of doubt. Yeah. So, I never heard the negative side of look, he probably he's probably could be a vegetable the rest of his life. I never heard that. However, during my recovery, 
I was still in a wheelchair. We were on a lunch break because I had to go to get up in the morning. I would need help getting showered. I had to learn that again. Mm. Physical, occupational, and speech therapy. Then we would break for lunch. It was at one of these lunches that I was with my mom, who was with me every day, which is another reason to have your support or your advocate with you at all times. That's only going to help you. And I I just was looking over up until that point. I've had, I've had my head down. I've been working, but I was looking over my situation and I was just, I couldn't really figure it out. And I turned to her and I said, am I going to ever be able to walk again? And she said, of course you are. What do you like? What do you think we're doing here? That's that's why we're here. So you can get you can get that back, get everything back, and we can go home and you can go back to school and everything with your friends. So mm. it was that moment. That's really the only moment I can say that there was doubt in my mind. But it was at that moment that my mom didn't even hesitate, and she told she gave it right back to me, and that was like okay, that was all I needed. Um, that I that I had to keep going. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You know, and it, and it underlines it underlines the S in the step process really well. You know, for mm. people listening, just to summarize, just surround yourself with people who are going in the right direction as you, that have got your back, that are going to be positive and are going to be super supportive, and they're there when you need them. Right? Absolutely. Like, Super, super important. Is there a part of the support in the acronym as well about supporting yourself? Because I guess one of the things I find and I pick up in Strive sometimes is I'll say to some of our community members, stop giving your power away to other people and and relying on other people to save you. The power is within yourself. So there, there has to be that support. You have to support yourself as well as being open and willing to receive the support from others. Can you just speak into that? A hundred percent. That is, that is definitely, I don't know if it's of, um, if it's part of support, but it is for sure part of the whole system. Mm. Um, it actually might fit better with trust, trust uh, yeah, that trust, you have to, thinking. that you have to trust yourself, mm. um, that you have to keep going. And that's a big part of it. Now, willing to accept, willing to accept support and willing to accept help is another big thing Mm -hmm. uh, because there are a lot of people out there who the support is there. Lee, you could probably attest to this. The support is there around, around you. Um, They just don't want to acknowledge it. They're not open to receiving the support. So then they're really dead in the water. You have to, you have to be open to receiving the support, uh, the help and support from, from all areas. Yeah. Um, you have to get over your shame. I mean, a lot, yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the times here in strive, like I've been doing this podcast for a long time, you know, and, and um, if I was to say right now and offer an invitation for people to reach out to me and ask me to help them, you've got to get through that shame in order to do that. And that's, that's really tough for, for some people. Um, trust. Uh, I'm going to ask you another difficult question here, but how, what advice can you give to people who really struggle in that area and don't trust themselves? How, how can they turn that around? Do you think? 
they can turn it around. You're you're giving me some great uh, some great <laughs> questions today. A challenge in your day. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, they can they can turn that around by by starting with small wins, uh, with small wins and trusting themselves on small, like very small issues, and then from there they can stack on that and it can grow. But if they don't start, if they don't start, there's no growth. And there's no there's no way that they're going to keep going if they they don't start. Now, zero to one or like doing doing the first day, for example, is often the hardest. The hardest level, zero to one, not getting one to two or two to three. It's zero to one. Most people don't know where to start, Mm. but oftentimes the. The steps are available. You just have to be open to. And that's like releasing the shame and being open to support, getting support from anywhere. It's not, it might not be where you think it is, but it's there. Mm. And what I like about that response is if you think about the step uh, concept at a macro, and then you look at one aspect of that macro, which is trust, you can then use the same process with trust. <laughs> you know, I said to you, yeah. well, how can we learn to trust? Break it down into smaller steps. Step, mm-hmm. step, 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 step. Yeah. Everything. So, so basically you're just saying to yourself, okay, um, what would be a good test of my trust? What would be the smallest test of my trust right now? And and try it out. And then and then something else and then something else. And so we get a little bit bigger and a little bit bolder and a little bit braver, you know? Um, yep. also I say this is, I don't know if this will be controversial or not, but this is my belief. Sometimes people think Lee, you think life's too simple. But for me, if I, if I think about my relationship, my wife, for example, um, trust and security are like two of the key, um, elements that need to be in place in our relationship, relationship infrastructure to keep the germs out of our relationship. And there'll be lots and lots of times where, for whatever reason, we stop trusting each other. And for me, like when that happens to me, I just say to myself, okay, you've got to start trusting her again. Like that, to me, that's the vulnerability right there is mm-hmm. there's no long drawn out process. There's no system. I just wake up today and I say, today, I'm going to trust my wife until she gives me a reason not to trust her anymore. And I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to and do it again. And I'm going to do it again. So for me, I know it sounds really simple, but for me, and it works for me, trust is a choice. This is, this is a big part of that in it for me. It absolutely is a choice. Yeah. And how, how I'd like to... Um... Maybe this will help uh, help your listeners, but how I like to view, because remember how I said since we created it, um, I view everything through that lens. Yeah, yeah. So whenever there's any challenge or any new venture or anything that I'm tackling new, a uh, new business, new product, new anything, um, I look at it through that lens and y- anyone can do this. Hmm. That's okay. Do I have my do I have my support uh, lined up here right at the start? Do I have like uh, do I have accountability partners? Do I have 
a mentor to continue to give me those next things I should be looking for? Um, do I have a support? And then as long as you have that established, then you can go on to the next one, which is trust. Mm. Now, as long as you have that, that support established, you can trust that just by taking your first step, your next step is always going to be available uh, to you. And then uh, we've already talked about it, but then you can trust that voice that you have inside. Everyone has it. Mm. Call it Buddha, God, uh, the universe, a higher power, whatever you want to call it. But everyone's aware of what I'm talking about. And then once you're doing that, uh, your energy, your energy is then going, there's going to be no fear in the back of your mind. So your energy is going to be high and you're going to be able to take care of and affect others. Yeah. And key I've, persistence. You, you'll yeah. just be able to, you'll be able to keep going as long as those things line up. I'll, I'll get on to EMP. Um, yeah, for me, trust has always been easy because I just have the paradigm seared into my belief system that I will trust you until you give me reason not to trust you. But there are so many people who are the opposite, that, that, that they have parts of their psyche that are, that are just built to protect them and they don't trust anybody because when they grew up, you know, the, these parts were given justifiable reasons to remain afraid and scared and closed in. Um, I'm not saying when I was younger that I could trust everybody. That wasn't the case, but there was something about the way that my parts dealt with my upbringing that allowed me to continue and maintain that element of trust. And like, I think it's I think it's massive. I think it's really important. I mean, I was just even thinking then when you were saying about support, getting your support system in place. One of the first steps I, I imagine is you've got to support, you've got to trust that support system. You know, you've got to trust yourself, but you've also got to trust your support system. You trusted your mom, you had to trust the doctors, you know, you, you other people who are helping you out, you had to trust, you have to trust them as well as trusting yourself. And if you believe in God or a higher power or whatever or the universe, you trust in that as well. It's a massive, massive piece of it. Um, talk to me about energy. Energy. So by, and I, I've already reviewed it, um, at, at the end, I can, um, I can give uh, your listeners a little bit. We actually have a free ebook called Step, mm -hmm. which they'll be able to learn everything that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, they can get that at our website, which is uh, nickprefontaine.com mm -hmm. forward slash step. Okay. They're going to learn all about all about uh, support, trust, energy, and persistence. But energy energy is so important because I even find it to this daily that I can be head down, like working, 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 and there might be a fear uh, reason why I'm doing that. In other words, um, there might be a reason, like a negative reason why I'm doing that. Um, but if I take a step back and make sure that I'm taking care of my energy, um, and for me, 
How I like to relate that is to this day, I mentioned it, I touched on it earlier. I am starting my day off by doing meditating in Qigong for usually 30 to 60 minutes. Um, or I'm doing, I'm going for a run or I'm doing a, a quick circuit workout. And that helps me to get my day started centered and being at my best all day, but it doesn't end there. Uh, then after that, after I have breakfast, I'm usually having coffee or tea and I'm reading and writing in my journal and reflecting and I'm going over goals and plans and everything. Uh, and I'm doing all of that before I start my day. So that happens for another 30 to 60 minutes. So then when I get into the office, when I start my day, I've already done so much self-care mm -hmm. and taking care of my energy that I can be at my best all day for others. Mm, I like that. I was just, just come off a call with our group actually. And um, one of the group members was talking about a uh, little bit of drama that she had with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And we were using the concept of a cup and a mentor of mine, Preston Smiles, always used to say to me, make sure that you give to others from an overflowing cup. So you give to people from the overflow. So your energy in your cup, that's you. And then you give to people from the overflow of the energy. And we were saying to this driver that because your energetic real estate, your attention and your focus and your drama is over here in this other person's business, you're depleting your cup. So, so now you have less energy because it's over there. So now you're, you're more likely to dip below the line into drama react angrily to your husband or your children or to drink alcohol or to take drugs because we we've given our energy away. So we need to reclaim it. We need to find ways of um, taking care of ourselves and being really, really diligent about where we apply our focus, where we apply our energy and who we, who we give it to. I guess as Byron Katie used to say, like whose business are we in? Like stay in your own lane, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. And something else that that I use, a strategy that I use is um, to take care of my energy, Lee, is I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a Ho'oponopono. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of our group in Strive uh, that uh, swear by it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I have... Um, I have stickers everywhere to remind me. Tell people it. who are listening. Tell people who are listening to it what what it's about. It's a it's a phrase, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, four simple phrases. And the way that I learned about it, not to not to like get off subject, but the way that I learned about it was a book, Zero Limits, mm. and that's by Dr. Hugh Len and Dr. Uh, Joe Vitale. And that kind of got me started on the path of learning more and more and more about Ho'oponopono. And since I learned about it, I'm, it's just constant in my head. I constantly do it in my head. And um, the premise is you're repeating, uh, you're repeating four phrases. Um, I'm sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. And thank you. What that allows to do on a high level, I'm just, just trying to give you a high level, but uh, what that does is we constantly have in 
anyone can attest to this. We constantly have memories replaying in our mind about our past, and they're not always good. Mm. Uh, very, very often they're they're negative memories that are replaying, and we just keep replaying the same stuff over and over. But by repeating these four phrases, it allows it allows you to clean those memories and get rid of them. And then that allows inspiration to come through. Mm. Um, inspiration, like I like I mentioned, it could be the universe, God, um, your own intuition, Allah, whoever. Yeah, your intuition, whatever you want to phrase it. But that allows that to come through. So then. I'm only taking action on what's coming through from divinity. That's mm. what I term it. What's coming through from divinity. So if I'm constantly cleaning, I'm getting rid of the negative memories that are replaying in the subconscious. And I'm only taking action on the inspirations that come through. Mm. Yeah. Our goal at Strive is not to help people to become people who don't drink alcohol. It's more helping people to become people who don't drink alcohol and live a self-led life. And by self, self is our divinity, right? So mm-hmm. I'm helping people and guiding people to live from their divinity. And when you say the, um, I'm sorry, um, what was it? I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. Please forgive me. And thank yeah. you. Please forgive me. Thank you. It reminds me of compassion, which is the, the essence of self, right? Like if we could all come from a place of compassion, you know what I mean? It's mm. like, um, and, and it very definitely is tied up with energy because if we're coming from a place from compassion all the time, boom, we, we, we've got energy all the time. It's when we slip away from compassion into the chaos that our energy gets depleted. And so I love that man. Yeah. Um, persistence so this is a this is a real tough one for a lot of people listening to this you know there'll be a lot of people listening to this who wow probably lost count of their day ones i mean we actually do say it's drive you know we don't really subscribe to counting alcohol free days that's not really our metric but there'll be a lot of people listening to this who get all excited when they go uh, 10 days 11 days 12 days uh, without drinking but then back to day one um so you know, whenever you're dealing with something, a compensated strategy like alcohol in order to keep you safe and you've been doing it for decades, you you need to find that persistence to keep going and, and keep taking those steps. What, what are the key uh, ingredients for you as a human being that, that uh, led to you being so persistent in your recovery that people can uh, glean from? Interesting. It's not... Um it's not rocket science and it's not, it's not anything that we haven't mentioned. It's once we're able to identify our support, make sure we have that. So with that is comes your advocate, make sure there's someone you can rely on. Once you identify your trust, once you're able to fully trust and you're taking care of your energy, then you're better able to show up and just be persistent just every day. Now, persistent has a persistence has a um, kind of a connotation where it's it's someone that's like working hard and you know working all the time. And but that's not what it is. 
persistence is showing up every day, even if it's a little bit, even if it's a little bit making progress every day by doing by doing something towards your goal every day. That's all you have to worry about. And as long as you keep taking that next step. So what I found during my recovery, I would do something every day towards my recovery. And I continue to apply that same methodology that the step system towards everything in my life. I do something when I'm starting a new venture, anything, I'm, I'm trying to do a new habit. I, I make sure I'm doing something every day towards that habit. And that's, that's persistence. It doesn't mean that I'm doing it for five hours, five hours on Monday, uh, one hour on Tuesday, four hours on, four hours on, um, on Wednesday. Mm. It's just that I'm showing up every day. And even if I'm doing a little bit, that's a win and just continue to move forward with that methodology in mind. What I'm hearing there um, is uh, what's coming up for me is almost sort of around expectation, right? So it's like, um, I'm going to go to bed tonight, but before I go to bed, I'm going to write my to-do list for tomorrow. I'm going to put 10 things on there. And then the next day you get on with your day and then you, you are looking back on your day and you've done seven out of your 10 things. And then you start beating yourself up because you didn't do the other three because your expectation is not quite right. So if you pulled your expectation back and said, you know, tomorrow um, I'm going to do this one thing. That's it. That's my goal for tomorrow is that one thing. And then you do that one thing, then you haven't failed your expectation. And unlike what you say there, it's like, and you're persistent because you said you was going to do that one thing. Yeah. You could do two and three and four after you've done your one, if you want to, but I, I do, I do like what you're saying and that idea of spinning this around that perseverance isn't the Marine um, dragging himself through the mud on an obstacle course. Right. Yeah. Like I, I do, I do like that. Do, do you know the work of Angela Duckworth and grit? Yes. Got mm. grit. Yeah. I'm very yeah. familiar with that. Um, there were, there was a few things, there was a few things about what you said. So part of step is you need to let go of expectations that that's one of the key things that, that we talk about in step. Mm. So you're speaking, you're speaking my language, everything speaking that you're your language, saying, brother speaking. Yeah. And, and I see in the background there, is that a vision board I see behind you? That is yes. Uh, so tell, I mean, for people who can't see it, what, what are the things you want in life, Nick? Oh, uh, well, look, I have a, I have things with things with work and things on the lower portion, but then I have the common goal logo mm -hmm. uh, with pictures and you probably can't see the pictures because they're too dark. I see a big crowd. Yeah. Of audiences a hundred percent. So those are all around there and that's the logo for common goal. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go over to the other one, there's a um, BMW X3M uh, right there, and then some pictures of some pictures of a house or a condo, like a newly renovated one, uh, mm -hmm. right there that that I really like. It's really nice. That you're gonna um, get. You're, I, you're, I you're, am, you're taking yeah. it step by step, and you're gonna get it. Absolutely. 
And what's uh, what's my big three? I see my big three uh, a couple couple of times there mentioned. That has to do with our other companies. So I have I have a uh, couple businesses that I'm a part of, a family real estate business where we mm. buy and sell real estate creatively mm. uh, without using um, without using uh, any of our own funds or like signing personally on loans or anything like that. Then that's our business locally, um, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Eastern Connecticut. Then the other business, which is the other big three, um, is the other companies, uh, Smart Real Estate Coach, where we partner with associates all over the country to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And we help them establish the same business, but their own. So Mm -hmm. we partner with them for the first 10 deals. Um, and then they're they're going to be off to the races. So whether they whether they choose to continue to work with us and stay involved in our community, which a lot of them do, um, because we've done so much for them, they can. Um, but usually, it's the to the first ten deals. There, there's a big learning curve and uh, get people up and running. Mm, it's really interesting. My wife said to me this morning that. Uh, are we ever going to get our own home? And I said, you know, one step at a time. <laughs> we'll get there, there one step at a time. Uh, Nick, it's been a delight talking to you. Really appreciate it. What have you got going on? What do the audience need to know about you? Where can they find you? That kind of stuff. Your time to give yourself a little plug. Sure. Um, I already touched on it, but uh, the way the way that they can start out is head on over to the website. Our website, Common Goals website is uh, nickprefontaine.com forward slash step. And when they sign up there, um, they will learn all about support. I mean, we, we covered a lot today, but we didn't even mm. cover it all. So mm. they'll be able to, by downloading that free PDF, the free ebook, they'll be able to learn all about support, trust, energy, and persistence. And it, it's really a great first step for them. And mm. by doing that, they'll, they'll also get connected with us and what we have going on so we can continue to support them. Awesome stuff. Nick, thank you for taking what was at the time a very tragic event, turning it around and being an inspiration. But more than that, choosing to spread your story and your, um, your experience around the world so it can impact other people and to help them um, get themselves out of some terrible jams like you did. Really appreciate it. Keep the work going, brother. And uh, we'll speak again in the future, no doubt. Thanks for having me, Lee. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed our time.